Hello, and welcome into the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod. Thank you for joining me. So in this episode, we'll be going over the series for the LSU baseball team as they took on the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. I will give you what the three big things from this series were. How did I do on the get right, stay right list? And what lies ahead this week for your Tigers? So thank you for tuning in. If you're listening in on audio, this podcast is available on Google Apple, Spotify, and other audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU YouTube channel, please make sure and subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button, comment, hit that notifications bell as well. On Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Make sure to follow, set your notifications, and interact with me as well as so many of you already do. And once again, I always want to thank everybody for the likes, retweets, and comments. And if you can see right here on video, I'm wearing my... um. Be Like CJ Foundation t-shirt. My family and I had a chance to go out this weekend and support Cedric Harris, my ex-teammate, and Marie Ferdinand Harris, an ex-LSU women's basketball player, WNBA player, and Olympian, I believe, as well. So just a great time to reconnect with some other uh, former alumni and just a great cause. And um, I would encourage everybody to get over to the Be Like CJ Foundation page. And this will be the, uh, this was the inaugural event in Baton Rouge, so many more to come. So uh, very happy to be part of that. All right, let's get to it, to the weekend review. LSU takes two out of three on the weekend, winning 6-5 to five on Friday night. They lost 8-3 on Saturday, and then they win the rubber game on Sunday, 12-3. to three. That puts LSU at 32-15 and 15 on the year, 14-10 and 10 in SEC play, and that is good for a tie with Texas A&M for second place as Auburn drops behind those two teams. Currently, LSU's RPI sits at 17, which is a little bit of a drop coming into the weekend. The RPI saw some huge, huge movers over the weekend and also saw some teams really drop. Georgia dropped all the way to ninth. Auburn dropped all the way to 10th following a series loss for both of those clubs. But then you saw Florida. I think they may have moved up 10 spots and other teams had six to 10 point drops in the RPI. So just something to keep an eye out moving forward. But I think at this point, everyone should agree that LSU just needs to take care of themselves and the rest will work itself out. So I predicted a sweep on the weekend on the 60 feet, 6 inches LSU pod. And while I was wrong, I don't think any of us saw uh, Jacob Berry getting hurt on Saturday and Sunday, not being able to play with a hairline fracture on his middle finger. And um, so while I'll take a loss on this series prediction, you know, maybe a mulligan on that one. So let's get into the games. Friday, LSU won 6-5, to five, which is a huge win. Anytime you can go on the road and take game one, that's enormous to me. But also you saw, once again, Mikhail Hilliard. He struggled a little bit with his control. And while he continues to battle and he persevered and gave LSU a chance to win, you just saw right off the bat how aggressive the Alabama hitters would be. To me, he's always, he's always had that curveball and he continues to have it. But the last two weekends, I think he's really struggled with his command of the fastball. And I think that just hurts him just a little bit to where he throws so many curveballs and if he's not able to get that fastball in the zone, that just kind of eliminates one pitch the hitters can lay off of. So he threw four gritty innings, and uh, it was a tough matchup versus Alabama's right-handed pitcher, McMillan. And one thing I didn't know coming to the series was how good of a changeup McMillan and McNary, so the Friday and Saturday starters for Alabama, had. I mean, McMillan, it seemed like he threw 50 to 60% changeups. It was like every other pitch, and it was a very good one. And you saw the LSU hitters have a lot of trouble laying off that pitch. A lot of times that pitch would start probably mid-thigh, so start in the zone and finish out the zone. And um, 
he was just tough early on until LSU kind of ran up his pitch count. He got tired a little bit, and LSU eventually got him out the game. But the story of this game was two-out RBIs as LSU had five two-out RBIs. LSU scores five in the fifth with two outs. Cruz has a sing, excuse me, Cruz walks, Barry singles, Doty doubles, and then Morgan finishes off the inning with a huge home run to left center. And a perfect situation, Morgan got a changeup up, and I said on the Twitter account for 60 feet, 6 inch LSU pod, that bad changeups get hit a long way, I know from experience, but Morgan did a great job. He saw the changeup up, it was hanging, and he absolutely blasted it to finish off that five-run inning for the Tigers. Bama comes right back, ties the game up, but LSU gets to go ahead running the six with two outs. Once again, uh, the freshman doing some damage. Stevenson gets a two-out walk. Pearson gets hit. And then that man, Dylan Cruz, comes through again with a two-out RBI single. And then from there, the pin absolutely deals with Razelman, Hasty, Gervais closing it out for a win in game one. One thing that was a little bit of a concern, and we've talked about LSU being able to score uh, manufacture runs or put up crooked numbers as often as possible. And in the top of the first, you saw LSU have a chance to jump out. They had first and second with nobody out, and three, four, five were up. And LSU got zero runs out of that right there. And then once again, in the top of the ninth, you really have a chance to add some insurance runs right there. Even one run is huge, mentally. And LSU has first and second with nobody out and can't get it done. They can't push across a run. But all in all, not a bad game. Um, great job with two outs and finishing off in extending innings. And it's big to get that win 6-5. to five. On Saturday, just a little bit of a mess. as That's uh, LSU dropped the middle game of the series, 8-3. to three. And unfortunately, it was just continued struggles for Blake Money. You know, this time he does not get an out in the first inning before he gets pulled for Taylor. And that really had me questioning why, if Money's going to have that short of a leash, why even start him in the first place? It's almost like you're waiting for him to fail before you can take him out. We'll get into that a little bit later. LSU gets a solo home run from Dylan Cruz in the top of the first. And just a reminder, so Barry didn't play this game. They moved Doty into the leadoff spot, which... I don't think he belongs there at all. He just doesn't seem comfortable. He's not very patient. So I like him back in that 4-5 spot where he can be Mr. Clutch and driving some runs. And um, you also saw Merrifield at third base, which we haven't seen him forever. LSU's down 5-1, heading into the fourth. They're not getting very good swings off the Bama starter, excuse me, Alabama starter McNary, who once again, as I briefly mentioned, had another very good changeup. So Taylor's not throwing terrible. He's not throwing bad. He was kind of his own worst enemy in that one inning where he threw the ball. He feels a bunt, throws it all the way down the right field line. It seems like LSU's pitchers have a, um, a tough time executing um, fielding plays to me. I'm sure they work on PFP, so PFP is called pitcher's fielding practice. When I was there, we did it uh, two to three times a week. You usually do it at the beginning of practice. You take ground balls, you turn double plays, you cover first, you do all that stuff. But this year, it seems like LSU's really struggled in that category. But in the fourth... LSU gives up two more runs after Thompson drops an easy pop-up. And that, that was with one out and nobody on. And then at that point, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and I felt the way as well. You just didn't feel like LSU was going to come back. That was pretty much uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. And um, even though Cruz does launch another two-run two run home in the seventh, you know, LSU loses that game. So Dylan Cruz provided all the punch in that game. It was Alabama versus Cruz that day. But the story for me in that game and we've said it before, but the silver lining was Ty Floyd. I thought he threw fabulous. By far and away, take that midweek game out of it a couple weeks ago where he dealt. By far and away, his best outing of the year. 
He goes four innings pitch, two hits, one run, one earned, one walk, and five punch outs. And I thought that was huge for him in terms of a confidence boost. So now he can knew, know he can succeed in the SEC. But also, I did not know he had that three pitch mix. We always knew he had a, uh, a fastball. You know, he's always going to be like 93 to 95. He's got a nice, clean, easy motion, very repeatable. He's got a very good curveball, inconsistent, as we all know. And that's kind of what's prevented him from taking that next step. But I had no idea he had that changeup. To me, that came out of nowhere, and that was a huge difference maker. If he can somehow harness that, and imagine if you could get that from Floyd, four innings on a Saturday. I mean, I don't know if that changes the outlook for the team, but that's a huge, that's huge right there, because then you're able to save the pin. I'm going to throw out some stats about the pin in a second that may be a huge eye-opener to a lot of y'all. But hopefully Floyd can build upon that confidence and maybe now he's going to get put into that Saturday starting role just to see what he can do and if he can deliver when given the opportunity because, I mean, in my opinion, I just don't think you can give Blake Money another Saturday start. I think you need to take the pressure off of him, let him relax, let him come in out the bullpen, give him an, give him an inning or two if you need to, let him throw a bunch of fastballs and let him get after hitters and kind of get that mindset back and just move on from there. Moving on to Sunday. As LSU uh, caps off the series with a 12-3 win, you saw the bats really show up. And I'm going to be completely honest. I was absolutely worried about this game. LSU's facing a lefty, and we've seen lately with Coach Jay Johnson, he, he's starting to do wholesale lineup changes when he faces a lefty. Sometimes you feel it's too much, but in this case, it wasn't. I mean, he pushed all the right buttons. So as I said, I was worried. I didn't know how they were going to respond, what state of mind the team was in mentally. Look, I don't have a clue. I don't have any inside information, as I've told y'all. But they showed up with a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. And um, I thought it was huge to get Gavin Dugas back in that lineup. You saw him pitch hit the night before. I think he got hit. So on Sunday, he comes out hitting leadoff. And um, you saw Bianco in left field. And you saw Cranford in at third base. So three big lineup changes. So Joe Bear's out. Obviously, Barry was out. And Stevenson was out as well. So really with a uh, heavy right-handed lineup for the Tigers. And once again, to be completely honest with you all, I didn't see a pitch of this game. I had Mother's Day. Hopefully everybody had a great Mother's Day. I had a baptism to attend. And I kept up with it, but I didn't see anything live. So obviously a huge first inning with Cruz. He hits a double and a big two-out hit by Thompson, which nice to see Thompson kind of get going a little bit. He started to hit the ball, as, as one of my followers on Twitter pointed out to me. It was a great job by him. Might have been Travis LeBlanc. I'm not sure. So, may have to go back and give him credit. But I did respond to him. Thompson was hitting the ball hard all weekend. And to me, if you've noticed, Thompson and Doty would get the same shift early in the year where they have three infielders on the left side of the infield. So, nobody in the four hole. Nobody between first and second, except the first baseman, obviously. And he was just pull, 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 pull. But lately, he's really, it seems like he's committed to going the other way. So, he's had a lot of loud outs to right field. And into that side of the diamond. But you saw Thompson come through in the Sunday game with a huge two-out hit. And he gets a two-RBI single. Then Bianco comes up and he gets another two-out hit. Another RBI single as well. So LSU jumps out early. And unfortunately, what we saw happen on Saturday happens to our guy Samuel Dutton on Sunday. He gets pulled in the first, similar to Money. And in comes Jacob Hasty. And that dude was a dude this weekend. He's been the dude lately a lot. 
And he got out of a tough jam on Friday night with a 3-2 strikeout in a hairy situation. He comes in on Saturday and absolutely deals. Four innings pitch, two hits, four Ks. I don't, I don't know what else you can look for in terms of holding Bama at bay, who needs this game because they're fighting to get into the SEC tournament, fighting to turn their season around. And Hasty just goes out and does what he's done really since he's kind of come back into the fold here and just deals. LSU's up 3-1 in the fifth. They get another two-out RBI hit from Bianco. And then McManus went nuts on Saturday. McManus with a two-out home run blast. LSU's up 6-1, and the bullpen is dealing at this point. Then McManus comes up and hits another home run in the seventh. Cruz hits a 3-1 bomb in the eighth. And the pin slams the door with Razelman Cooper and Fontenot finishing out the game. Uh, Alabama scratches two more runs, but it didn't matter at that point. Uh, the, the series was over. And LSU delivers right there with a road series win. Take a two out of three from the Tide. So, real quick, before we get into the get right, stay right list and the three big things, I have got some absolute gold-plated money stats for y'all from this weekend. This is absolutely nuts. So, real also, I put the over-under on seven and a half home runs. So, if you took the under, you are a winner. I think if Barry's in the lineup, I clearly take the over on that. And I'm winning winner chicken dinner. So I was close. I told y'all. The ball's going to be flying out the park. Go play the money stat time. Here we go for the review pod. LSU hitters struck out 35 times this weekend. So they had a total of 81 outs on the weekend. Struck out 35 times in three games. So that accounted for 43% of their outs. And to me, that seems really high because coming into this series, LSU's hitters had struck out the least amount of times in SEC conference play. Out of all the teams, they were tied with Florida. So for them to strike out 43% of the time, I don't don't think it's really an issue moving forward. I I really think it was more of an issue of um, coming up against two starters who had very good changeups. And those guys were throwing changeups 3-1. And then they would throw it again 3-2. So they they just weren't going to give in. And they had that much confidence in that pitch. And you see the advent of a changeup more in college baseball as the bats have changed over the years to where when I was playing, it was all, everybody just had really good breaking balls and nobody threw changeups except if you lived on the uh, left coast. So if you were going to play Fullerton or somebody like that, you're going to see a ton of changeups, but now you're seeing it everywhere. And moms and dads, you got a young kid, 9, 10, 11, 12, I don't care how old they are, teach them how to throw a changeup. You can always teach them how to throw a breaking ball. That's easier. Changeup. Good changeups are very tough to hit. And, um, Help your little fella out right there. All right, another gold-plated stat. LSU bullpen, <laughs> this is crazy, accounted for 82% of the innings pitched and out this weekend. Nope, that is not a mistake. The bullpen, 82% of the outs this weekend. And I've said it before, I don't know if you can continue to put that this much stress on the bullpen, but it's working, so maybe I'm wrong. And maybe this bullpen can continue to do it for the rest of the year and have continued success doing that. Because that's, that's obviously the mantra, and, and without a true number two, and Dutton is sliding in the three spot, but sometimes, as we just saw, he unfortunately didn't get out the first. I mean, that heavy load falls on the bullpen. 82% of the outs this weekend gobbled up by the bullpen, which is enormous. Another goal played in money stat. LSU scored 21 runs this weekend. 14 came with two outs. So 66% of the runs this weekend were scored with two outs. So to me, that's enormous. They've always been able to hit with two outs. But you got to remember with two outs, they're able, when you score that many runs, 
one, you stress the pitcher, drive up his pitch count. But two, you're probably putting up runs, so you're probably putting up a crooked number, and you're just extending the inning, and you're building momentum in that dugout. And that momentum is real. You know, you can almost feel it come through the TV sometime. If you get a two-out hit or a two-out bomb or two-out singles and a double, guys are starting to feel it in that dugout. Guys are starting to get hyped up. So that was enormous. 66% of the runs scored this weekend with two outs. And then finally, just to remind y'all what a dude Dylan Cruz is, he was 7-11 on the weekend with three home runs. And McManus also hit three bombs as well, and he went four for 12. So Dylan Cruz, absolute dude. And he made an unbelievable catch in center field as well. So you can always count on him for a pretty good web gym. All right, get right, stay right list. How did I do? So get right. I had the Saturday starter and the first reliever. I thought that was going to be important. I figured LSU would win on Friday night with Hilliard, and they did. But unfortunately, Blake Money didn't record an out, and Taylor come in. Taylor came in, excuse me, and he did okay. Uh, hurt himself with a couple of fielding errors and some walks. So I definitely missed on this one. The Saturday starter and first reliever did not get right as LSU took the L Saturday. Also on my get right list was Razelman. And I got this one correct. Pat on the back for me. Razelman on the weekend, he threw four innings pitched, one hit, one run, one earned, one walk, and four strikeouts. And he was huge on Friday night. He looked comfortable. He had his release point for that fastball. Of course, he was throwing hard. It seemed like um, him and Pinckney were going back and forth and Pinckney... You know, he had a reaction to a fastball. He just fouled back. And you saw Razelman, and he was just like yelling at him to get in the box, which I love. And Razelman just pumped it up, and he just blew like 98 by him twice. So I thought it was a big bounce back weekend for him. And he came back on Sunday and threw well as well. And um, great approach by him. So Razelman definitely get, get right. Got right. So who needed to stay right? I picked on two freshmen. I picked on Pearson. So I predicted two home runs from Pearson. I was wrong on that account. But uh, he did go 5 for 13 on the weekend, which is hitting at a 385 clip. He had some really good patient at-bats, I thought. He did a good job taking some change-ups down Friday and Saturday. And um, I think I'm going to hit on that one. I say Pearson definitely stayed right. But then my other choice for stay right was Dutton. And I'm going to say I missed on that one. So he just had a, he was coming off a really good outing against Georgia. But unfortunately, he got pulled in the first. So his line was he went two and a third innings pitch with two hits and a run. And Hasty came in and released him and did a really good job. But I think you're going to continue to see Dutton on the in that Sunday role for now. Just because I, I do not think they can move Hasty into the starting lineup. I just think he's too valuable coming out the pen and his ability to go long, his ability to throw multiple times in a weekend. And he takes some of that pressure off of Cooper. So now you have two lefties that are very dominant coming in out the pen. So um, I, I just don't think it's a good idea to move him at this point. All right. What were the three big things we learned from this weekend? Number one, LSU's bullpen is the absolute strength of this team. Uh, that's a surprise to nobody. They've been throwing really well for a long time, but the fact that they ate up 82% of the innings pitched and outs this weekend, it just really puts in perspective how good these guys have been and how important they are to the success of this team. Guys like Hasty, Collins, Cooper, Razelman, Fontenot, Vitmeyer, and of course, Gervais at the end of the game have all been really effective, and they've done a good job collectively. And I think that's important about the pin is that nobody wants to get taken out the game, and it's clear Jay Johnson values matchups such as lefty on lefty, or if he needs a strikeout in a key situation, he's not afraid to take out somebody with a 1-0 count and bring in Razelman. 
And sometimes your ego can get caught up in that, but it seems like this is a very cohesive unit. And um, I have no clue if they get along or not, but it seems like they all kind of feed off each other and all want to one-up each other with the ultimate goal of succeeding for LSU, which is fabulous. Number two, I think LSU's roster now has some different options. Now, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit with a, a weekend uh, change because Barry was out and you saw a big lineup overhaul on Sunday with the lefty throwing for Bama. But now that you have Dugas coming back and Bianco, who, as we know, can be very streaky one way or the other, if those guys get more playing time, especially against lefties, and, and Joe Barragas moves out that lineup, and he's been struggling a lot lately, I think it just adds another dimension to the lineup. Plus, those two guys are senior leaders. They've been there and done that. They've played in Super Regionals before. And one thing that's tough is that every team's going to have leaders on different levels. But I think it's tough for guys like Duga or Bianco, who are seniors, to lead when they haven't been playing or they've been hurt. Sometimes those guys' words may not carry as much weight because you're not in the fire every day. And that's nothing against those guys. I think that's just the way sports are to where, you know, they, they want to be in the battle. They want to be in the fight, and a lot of guys respect them. They respect they have to say, but it's tough when you're not out there every day. You don't know what this pitcher looks like. You're not out there grinding out at bats. You're not out there chasing fly balls. You know, when they give the rah-rah speech, I, I think sometimes if they haven't been playing a lot, haven't had a lot of success, or they've been hurt, some of that stuff falls on deaf ears. So it's really good to see those guys back. I mean, those guys are program players. Dugas is a Louisiana boy. I love the way he plays the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what type of role those guys play, move playing forward. And um, I think those guys can give LSU some different options and some really good options as well. So last, the third big thing I learned this weekend is that um, you probably think I'm going to move towards uh, we need to have a second starter and that's a big need. Well, of course it is. But to me, the more important thing is I think I'm just going to trust Jay Johnson from here on out. That's the thing I really learned. And look, I'm going to be the first to admit it. I was wondering what in the hell was going on with some of those moves on Saturday and Sunday. I was like, why in the hell did he pull money so early? If, why not just start Taylor? I wondered why he had such drastic li- li- lineup changes versus the left-handed pitcher for Bama on Sunday. And then he pulled Dutton very early as well. And I was questioning that in my mind. I had some Twitter conversations with some people I trust back and forth with DMs and whatnot. But in the end, I don't think anyone who's followed this program for a while is used to the way he coaches. And for now, it seems that's going to be something that we as fans are going to have to be willing to accept. And nobody is used to the way he runs his pitching staff. I don't think anybody else has really seen that before. And not that it's bad. It's just different. And maybe this is different for him and Coach Kelly as well. Maybe they're not used to running it like that. But maybe this is they're forced into running it like that due to the lack of options at starter and how strong the bullpen is. So this may be new ground for them as well. But it's just something as fans we're just going to have to kind of take a step back from. I mean, just look at what he did at Arizona in his tenure. He went to College World Series two times in six years. And the other thing too is on this platform that I have, I have a lot more freedom than a lot of other baseball guys who are very good in this town. You know, I don't have to worry about interviewing Coach Jay Johnson every week. I don't have a radio show or a call-in show with him. I don't have to rely on LSU baseball for anything. I don't, have to, I don't have to get interviews or get people on my show. So I don't have really have a problem questioning or calling things out. 
But after the last couple of weekends, I mean, it's obvious because he's the coach, but he really knows who this team is. He knows his strengths. He knows the weaknesses. He knows what the vibe is in the dugout, what, it is, what it's like in the clubhouse. It's obvious, uh, he knows who likes each other, who hates each other, who does the team listen to when times are tough, who the vocal leaders, or who's just full of hot air. Because there's some guys that like to talk just to talk, and everybody just rolls their eyes and walks away. So for me, I'm just going to sit back and continue to scratch my head over some of these moves, but realize, obviously, he's doing it in the best interest of this baseball team. He's doing it for a reason, and it's been working so far. So while internally I may question it, in the end, I'm just going to say, hey, we're just going to chalk it up to uh, Jay Johnson. And look, everybody's got to do this come football season. So with Brian Kelly being the new guy, everybody's going to see that depth chart and be like, what the hell is he talking about? But those guys are at practice every day. They get it. They know who to play and not to play. So for me, I'm just going to sit back, enjoy these last two SEC series, the tournament and regional time, and let Jay Johnson, Brian Kelly, and the other coaches do their thing. So what's next? LSU plays at home Tuesday versus Southeastern. Then they had their last SEC series of the year as Ole Miss comes into town. That'll be senior, uh, senior day, senior weekend as well. And that'll be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. So that's going to do it for this week's LSU versus Alabama series review on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod. Please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on this video. Make sure to check out the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. And be sure to follow and interact with me on Twitter as well, at 60FT6INLSUPod. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate all the comments, the likes, and the feedback. And I will see you on the Ole Miss preview episode. Y'all be careful and stay safe.